there was so many other opportunities that they could have done better and they chose not to yeah. the NHL way welcome back to where's my stick I'm Danielle I'm Christy and we're going to jump right in to some firings I feel like every time we record there's some some GM or coach has been fired <laughs> <laughs> I mean some might say Paul Maurice is an ex but like, we have to talk about that because I'm in shambles. But anyway, an actual GM that was fired was Ray Shiro. January 12th, the New Jersey Devils parted ways with Ray Shiro. Um, a month earlier, the Devils fired coach John Hines, who is now the Preds coach. Um, and the, the Devils went uh, 157, 167, and 48 under Shiro, as in his tenure as GM. So <clears throat> it was kind of weird this firing was... I, to me, it was like out of the blue because if they were going to fire the GM, they should have fired him when they fired the coach. Mm-hmm. But I mean, a month later, I, that doesn't make any sense. So there was an article on the New Jersey Advanced Media dot com. Uh, Chris Ryan wrote um, first uh, the team or I'm sorry, Chris Ryan wrote some reasons why uh ratio was fired he said first the team has fallen well below preseason expectations and will most likely miss the playoffs again he says this is due to a lack of aggression an aggressive response from shiro um especially as the team uh lost six straight games in a row and only had two wins in october It wasn't until December that Shiro did made a huge move and firing the coach, but that was well after the Devils are out of the playoff picture. The owner was quoted to say, this isn't good enough. Um, and he said that Ray wanted to keep doing it his way. And others speculate that Shiro didn't want to include the New Jersey stats department in some of his decision makings. Uh, some other person said that um, the reason they fired Shiro was because Harris and co-management Bill Blitzer arrived and the decision only 10 days before actually announcing it. So this was like kind of a spur of the moment thing. Like they really didn't think too much into it, which I guess like based on the timeline, that makes a lot of sense. So what do you think about this, Christy? I think it's really like uh, I don't I don't know I feel like Ray Shiro has always been like a pretty aggressive aggressive like GM and like some of the moves that he made in getting Taylor Hall and getting PK Subban I don't know if those um, acquisitions have necessarily worked out in their favor but yeah i'm just surprised it's so soon after firing john john hines like you fire coach to kind of save your job as a gm and then that didn't look like it worked here for him yeah i i agree with you i i mean obviously i feel like every gm has its ups and downs and has like good traits and bad traits but shiro to me like he was really good at making trades like, he really did make really good trades, but everything else kind of he wasn't really great at. They've He's been their coach for, like, almost five years, and they made the playoffs once because of Taylor Hall and a three, maybe a two-month period where um, Keith Kincaid was unreal. But 
drafting, if they didn't have the the first overall pick, I mean, where did they really hit in like homegrown talent? So there were a lot of question marks, and I understand five years you want to see some growth in your in your organization. And at the end of this season, I mean, at the end of this his tenure here, there really wasn't like the the like summer acquisitions that they made. Everyone was really excited about it. Yeah, it looked good on paper because it was big, splashy moves. Like, oh, you got went out and got PK Subban. You got um, uh, Jack Wayne's. Well, he's an he's an angel. Um, and then you got like Jack Hughes, and you think, okay, this team is really good, but not really. Like, <laughs> like these are all like complimentary pieces, and there's nothing. There's nothing truly scary about the Devils besides like Taylor Hall. And I guess Nico Heischer, where, but I'm not, like, the biggest Nico Heischer fan, so I don't really give him as much credit as he may deserve. So, yeah, I just think that, you know, expectations were so high for this team, but they really shouldn't have been. But I understand why firing, why they fired Chiro, because at the end of the day, you want to see some growth in five years. I kind of think it's, um, I think it's funny that, like, once a GM stops listening to their, like, analytical department, they soon get fired. Because didn't that happen <laughs> to, like, the Minnesota Wild GM, too? Like, he didn't listen to the analytic department, and then they fired him. Yeah. They, yes. But I also feel like the Wild's GM was just, like, insane. Because they <clears throat> traded one of their best players for someone who was horrible. Oh, like it just was like you know and then like players came out and was like listen I don't want to play for this guy like get me out of here so I mean there's some similarities obviously but yeah I don't know I didn't even know that the devils had a really good like a really influential stats department so that's interesting um I think it's just like once you make your circle really really small and you stop listening to other people that's when trouble arises. Yeah, unfortunately, you're absolutely right because that's kind of what happened to the Flyers with Ron Hextall is that he was very, like, by the chest. Like, it was his... He had, like, the end of the... He had the all the say. And um, they didn't like that. So, <laughs> But to be fair, Ron drafted a ton of really good prospects and players. So, yeah. He, yeah. All right, so <laughs> next, um, the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> they fired their coach, which is insane. Vegas fired their coach, Gallant, after um, 49 games. Uh, in, the, in that game, that span of time, the Knights were 24, 19, and 6. They had a... points percentage, which ranks them ninth in the conference and out of a playoff spot. GM McCrimmon uh, said that this firing was basically due to consistency issues. He said, um, we're, we're like a lot of teams had real high hopes for this year and still have real high hopes for this year. We're in a unique position where we're right in the mix. So this isn't a case of where the bottom fell out and we just have no choice. It was a situation where proactively it was our belief that this is going to be the best thing for our organization. So um, in an article by Greg Wyshynski, (laughs) he kind of outlines all of the 
um, stats for the Knights, and he said their 5-on-5 play was underwhelming, if a bit unlucky. He said their puck possession remains solid. It's third in the league in Corsi 4 percentage at 53.59%. They're first by a large margin and expected goals at 5-on-5, weighed for shot quality at 106.93, but they're actually ranked 12th for actual goals um, at 98. So, I mean... The gap between their expected goals and their actual goals is pretty large. Um, And then for shooting percentage, they're ranked 24th in the league at 7.5%, which is shockingly low. And they're second in the NHL in scoring chances percentage at 55.38, but 22nd in goal scored percentage at 48.51. The Knights are 17th in the NHL for goals uh, per game at 3.0 with a system that's creating chances but without results and lastly their goaltending they have a team save percentage at um, 900 which is 19th in the league and Marc-Andre Fleury hasn't been that great with a um, minus 2.43 goals saved above average and Malcolm Subban has been worse with a minus 4.69 goals saved above average so their goaltending's not really helping them out. Their shooting percentage isn't really that good. But these are all things that I don't necessarily think that is on the coach. Mm-hmm. It's just really weird. Yeah. I thought the Golden Knights were doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, me too. Yeah, I, I guess not. So, okay. When we previewed this division, we thought that the Sharks and the Golden Knights would be the top of... <laughs> we were like their conference and they are not um we were like sharks like, golden the, knights and the flames that's it's a lock for those three <laughs> maybe the yokes yeah well to be fair pierre lebron also said that so he's not doing as well as uh we are either um <laughs> I just I just expected them to be really good, but you know, seeing them play against like actually watching Vegas when they played against the Penguins, um, yeah, they 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 got some breakdowns and they were not their goaltending was not as good as I thought it would be. But I, from that vantage point, I thought it was really the Penguins capitalizing, <laughs> not really the the Golden Knights not being great. Um, but this is not all for the Golden Knights. They turned around and hired. Pete uh, DeBoer, who we talked about last last episode as like a really good coach. Well, when this hiring came out, everyone was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Pete DeBoer is horrible. He's a horrible coach. They made a huge mistake. And you know what? I won't even comment on the, the mistake part of it because I like, you know, I think that was crazy that Vegas fired their coach. But I think that Pete DeBoer is a good coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that he's bad. Like, look at his team, and you and he got them to, you know, what the Western Conference. He got them I mean, to the, the finals. Yeah, like the San Jose has been a dominant team in his tenure. It was just this year, literally the the wheels fell off of that team. I love the drama of it all. I for, so I thought this was I just thought the drama was like oh wow they randomly fired their coach and then hired another coach well apparently the Knights and Sharks are like huge rivals which I had no idea I guess. <laughs> so, 
there's this huge rivalry between the Knights and the Sharks, um, which has quickly become one of the NHL's biggest or most intense feuds. And that's fueled by the first round loss by uh, the first round loss by Vegas last postseason where uh, it was a game seven and it was a bad penalty call um, against the Knights and the Sharks rallied from a 3-0 deficit um, with uh, four three period power plays before winning in overtime. This rivalry got even more intense, uh, specifically to the coaches, where DeBoer accused Gallant of trash-talking the Sharks from the bench, and Gallant responded by calling him a clown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I like, that is the type of drama I love. Like, I'm like, soaking this in and like, thriving. (laughs) So I cannot believe that the GM fired their coach for, based on like, you know... I don't know if you could blame him for all of the things going wrong with the Knights and then hired their rival, like their rival coach who was um, let go. So, I mean, another look into DeBoer, he is uh, 415, 329, and 111 record in all his coaching. He's coached for the Panthers, the Devils, and the Sharks, and he's led the Sharks uh, and the Devils to teams to the Stanley Cup final. However, he did lose both times. <laughs> the Sharks one was justified. Like, he, he he couldn't win that one. Come on. The Pens needed to win. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, this is a little drama. I love it. No. How do you think the players feel? Well, <laughs> in his post-game, like, presser, or, like, his, like, introductory press conference, DeBoer was like, you know, um, Ryan Reeves, like, how did everyone, like, you know, accept you into the locker room? And he was like, you know, they're all professionals. They welcome me. I, you know, it's a little awkward, but (laughs) what are you going to do? I'm their coach now. And um, apparently uh, Jonathan Marshall was, like, after they won their first game, got the, took the puck and gave it to DeBoer, which was like a olive branch. And a lot of the other uh, players you know, like accepted him. I mean, what are they going to do? They are <laughs> under contract and that's their coach. They have to play for him. Okay. But uh, just a definitely awkward situation. Yeah. Hey, a job's a job. A, a job is a job. All right. Moving on. We have a, a re-signing, Nicholas Backstrom, a guy we know very well. He signed a five-year extension with the Washington Capitals, valuing a total of $46 million with an AAV of 9.2 per year. Here's um, some notes, uh, some things to note. He negotiated this deal by himself without his agent. <laughs> He'll be 36 going on 37 when the deal ends. And in 935 games with the Capitals, he has 910 points. What do we think about this signing? Um... I think he did a lot better of a job than Drew Doughty did when he negotiated his deal by himself. Um, I do think the money is a little high, but they're probably paying. They're probably paying for stuff that he's done and not like stuff that he's gonna do in the future. And yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think that it's a bit high, but I think Nikki. He deserves it. Like, I don't know. I just feel like he's one of those players that need to retire with their team. Mm -hmm. And I just think that 
yeah, I just think that he needs to retire there. Also, um, I was talking to a Caps friend of mine, and he was saying how Kuznetsov is just not a 1C at this point. Like, he is good, but he's just, that's, he's not good defensively. So they need Nicholas Backstrom um, in the short term. I don't know if they have anybody else in there. Um, organization who can turn into a, a 1C or a really good defensive 1C. He fills a need. Um, do you have to overpay him? Maybe, but you underpaid him for a lot of his prime years. So, you like, Ovi wasn't going to sign if Nikki didn't sign. So, you just secured that Ovi will be signed. It's definitely, this signing makes me realize that Hopi will be gone. He is not resigning with the Capitals. Are you sure? Yeah, because next season they need to pay Ovi, and they need to pay Verana, and it would be stupid to lose Verana because you wanted to sign a goaltender who they already have um, a backup goaltender that's, like, taking Ovi's spot already, (laughs) Samsonov, so it's a sad, it's a sad mood, but whatever. Yeah. But listen, good for Nikki. Get that money. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that's all you, not me. Oh. You because froze. my computer was... No, you froze. You froze. I don't know, man. Um, well, I'm still recording. <laughs> okay, yeah, same. Okay, good. Um, let me... I was like recording the other the Skype call just in case, but I don't know if that. Um. All right. All right. Moving on to the Kachuk versus Cassian debacle. <laughs> I, I don't even. I don't even know. Like what happened? <laughs> I can't wait to get your opinion on this. Okay, so Kachuk in a game recently, Kachuk. Um, hit Cassian with two really big hits. The first one, I mean, in my opinion, was not clean. He went for the head. The second one, he just knocked the guy, like, completely out of the way. According to the NHL, both of these hits were clean. Um, in response to the second hit, Cassian ragdolled Kachuk. Um, just, like, didn't even wait for him to get his gloves off. He just, he just attacked him. And um, Kachuk covered his head, and people were saying he turtled. But, I mean, he was doing that to protect his head. Um, Cassian got a penalty, and in a tie game, the Flames scored on the power play to make it 3-2. to two. This game was a quote-unquote four-point game because it, it was to see who would get first in the Pacific Division. Um, the league responded by handing a two-game suspension to Cassian, who was critical of Kachuk for playing a physical-style game and then then not accepting a challenge to fight. Um, post-game, Matthew, well, after the suspension came out, Matthew didn't want to comment on any of the anything that was going on with Cassian, but Cassian was sh- like he was open to like talking about it. He said that. <laughs> Kachuk refused to fight him last year because he was a fourth liner and Cassian wants to know what Kachuk's excuse is now that he has 13 goals. He also continued to say that he would do it again. He has no remorse. Like he could care less. He can't wait until he sees um, Kachuk again. And um, the league 
the league like wants to punish him, so fine. But he'll just end up th- doing being dirty like Kachuk, basically. <laughs> so, what is your opinion, Christy? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So it it's like multi tiered or whatever. One hilarious how he's like he didn't want to fight me last year because I was on the fourth line but now I have 13 goals so what's up Matthew I think that's hilarious two what does it say about the NHL's like um department of player safety when this guy gets suspended two games and he's just like yeah I'll do it again I don't give a fuck um so I'm just like okay so we have a problem with the department of player safety here if like the like People don't care about their punishments. Um, <laughs> again, <laughs> I think that, like, all right, Kachuk, people think that Kachuk's a dirty player. Okay, whatever, that's fine. But, like, if he doesn't want to fight, he doesn't want to fight. And now you look stupid because you guys end up losing the game. And, like, like they won the game. So, what, the, pl- the, the Flames are in a better playoff position. So, I think it's, I think it's stupid how Cassian got so, like, butthurt over this to be honest and then um I don't know if we're, we're gonna talk about it but Leon Dreisaitl how he was like oh I oh if I God. have to play with Kajuk in the all-star game I'm, I'm just not gonna play like is it that ser- <laughs> is it that serious like, like oh my what God. is happening I mean I mean the battle of Alberta is like a big rivalry it's kind of like Philly Penguins or okay. the Flyers and, pe- and the Penguins, but if Ovi and Sid can play on a line together, um, Leon Drysaddle, you can play on a line with Matthew Kachuk. Like, see, Leon, Leon is such a piece of shit. Like that's because <laughs> like he's so dramatic for what? Nothing. You're dumb. Anyway, I agree with you with the Cassian situation. Like, I mean, obviously for me, I'm biased. I'm Team Kachuk because I love the Kachuk brothers. I think they are amazing. They're so funny. Um. But, I mean, I get it. Like, Matthew's hits were not clean, in my opinion. I get that. But I think what Cassian did just shows how unhinged. Like, he looked insane when he was, like, beating Matthew up. Like, he looked insane. And you're right. Like, you do all of this for what? Like, your team lost. But, I mean, at the time of recording, the Canucks are actually first in the Pacific (laughs) Division. (laughs) Neither of those Flames or the Oilers are first. So, so whatever. But I know. I know. But, um... But yeah, and I think the biggest part, like you said, is that look at player safety. Like, you suspend this guy for two games, whatever. I don't think that's enough, but fine. Whatever. You didn't suspend Kachuk, so why did we think he would suspend anyone the a right amount of games? Um, but, like, yeah, he's, like, he even his post-game comments seem, he seems unhinged. Like, he's not, like, he's not apologetic. He could care less. Like, he wants to do this and he would do it again and it's just like that's like actually kind of scary um and gosh and then like just come on the one where he was like yeah i have 13 goals now like now what like oh come on dude don't say that like you're just making yourself look stupid and like i don't have any sympathy for you but now i do and i don't want it it's, it's like, yeah, you have 13 goals or whatever, which which I guess, like, when that's a big deal for him. But it's like, yeah, you have 13 goals, so why are you still playing? Like, why are you still acting like you're a fourth liner and you need to fight, your claw your way in the lineup? Mm-hmm. Like, 
relax. <laughs> that's a real, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so after, like, after his two-game suspension, the Flames play the Oilers, like, oh, <laughs> I like think the game he gets back. <laughs> the drama of this league is just... Oh, my God. Like, I'm not salivating, but I'm just, like... How, how soon after puck drop do you think, like, Cassian oh, well, tries to, like, go after him? Well, Matthew's not going to fight him. Yeah, he's not. But he's going to go after And I have no idea. They play on the 29th of January. And then they have two days off. And then they play Edmonton again on the 1st of February. So <laughs> we will hear a lot about this this rivalry. Quote, unquote. Uh, this. <laughs> you know. um, overall, I don't know if this makes me a bad person. But I like this drama. Like, I think this is fun. I mean, I hope no one gets hurt. Like, let's let me start off by saying that. I hope that neither Cassian is hurt or Kachuk. Um, but I just love the drama that I. It's kind. Of, it reminds me of like um, Kachuk and Dowdy, and it really makes me want to know what the hell Matthew Kachuk says on the ice because that's like, like people remember that. Like the fact that he said last year he was like, "Oh, I don't fight a fourth lander." Like you little bitch. <laughs> It's like now in the league, like the younger kids are not respecting the older guys, which the older guys are like, fuck you. Like when I, I mean, was younger, I had is, to respect the older respect guys. Respect is earned. Like it's not just because you're older. You made some points. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, it's just so funny that like old time guys are like, you got to respect this. And then like the younger guys are like, fuck you. And I just love it. I love it. Let's move on. So last episode, we talked about some the All-Star. Well, some new additions to the games have come out. We will talk about that. Uh, okay, so the first thing, of course, the fastest skater, which is still Larkin. Come on. <laughs> he already won, but whatever. I like how he's um, never fastest... been an All-Star since. <laughs> and like, now he's like, do not. I'm tired. Vote me in. Don't. Like, I'm, you see that team that's barely getting by? Like, they're on my back constantly. <laughs> back to the all star, <laughs> all star um, edition. So okay, again, there's the fastest skater, the save streak, um, the NHL accuracy shooting, and then there's a new one called the Elite Women's Three on Three, presented by Adidas, of course. Um, so this is two teams, all star, like American all stars and Canadian all stars, each comp- comprised of nine skaters and one goalie will go head to head. On a three-on-three, and the three-on-three will consist of two 10-minute periods with a running clock. Teams will switch ends after the first period. All penalties will be served with a penalty kill, or with a penalty shot being awarded to each player specifically fouled. That's interesting. Yeah, I can't wait to see that. First of all, women's hockey is so fast. They're so fast. It's insane. So I can't wait to see how their three-on-three is going to be. Um, I heard some people say that it was like kind of a shame that it's only American and only Canadian players going against each other, but I think it would have been too much if like other um, countries were added in. I don't know. What do you think? Um, yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I wish it would be like, what would be the absolute fun for me? Well, first let me say, I don't trust the NHL with them doing this. I feel like they have an ulterior, ulterior, Whatever, they have a motive, and I don't trust them. But <laughs> I do think that it's cool that, like, um, women's hockey will get showcased outside of the Olympics. But um, also, 
I think I think it would be even more fun if it's like the winner of the American versus Canadian. Whoever wins that, they get to play the winner of the actual All Star game, like whichever division. And I think that would be fun because I think oh. I think like the NHL is hesitant to do that because they're just like, oh, girls don't hit or whatever, but the guys don't hit either for All Star game because it's All Star game and they don't care about it. So mm-hmm. I think that would be fun, and I think like the guys would actually get showed up. A lot because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, and the girls are good. Yeah, like the girls are just like effortlessly good. I know. Yeah. No, that's a really good. Po- I wish they would do that. That'd be really interesting and fun. Hmm. And then they Why don't you and work then the girls the get play, paid. Yeah, that's the thing that I did see some controversy over. This is that people don't know if the women are getting paid or if there's just a donation in their name. The NHL still hasn't come out and said it. Classic NHL. I was just like, why don't you pay these women for their time? <laughs> oh my man. If I knew, I would I would tell you. Yeah. Um, okay. So moving on, there's obviously gonna be the NHL hardest shot. And then a new one called the Gatorade NHL Shooting Stars. So this is ten players, um, eight NHL All Stars and one American women's player and one American uh, one Canadian women's player will complete compete in a Gatorade NHL shooting stars game. This is mm, okay. So the oh. players will be positioned in an elevated platform behind the goal, approximately 30 feet above ice level. They will shoot pucks at a variety of targets located on the ice with each target possessing different point values. One at a time, each player will attempt seven shots and earn points uh, for each target hit. And um, all scoring denominations will be decided by on-ice officials. If a completion of the event, there will be a tie for the... Oh, wait. If at the end of this event there's a tie, um, players will shoot three pucks each to determine the winner. And then if there's still a tie, then there will be a sudden death score-off will occur. So... What do you think about this? Um, isn't that like what they do, like in like the pens, like pens personality yeah, thing, yes, make them shoot yes. from OD far. I think it's. Yeah. I think it would be cool. I think it's fun if like the players actually have a chance to practice and they're not all mm. just like missing forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like okay, so this has been done. I don't know if it's done the exact same way, but. The Pens have done this. The Flames have done this. And then the Dallas Stars on, like, Dude Perfect have done this. So this has been done before. But the thing about those videos is that they've been edited to think that the the players have, like, they only missed one and they got it. We don't know how long they've been practicing to get that one um, uh, goal in that little net or how wherever they are. So, um yeah, I agree with you. I think they definitely need time to practice this because it'll be so awkward if it's just like live and they're just like missing and missing and then they don't move on until the person hits it. Yeah. Like that other that I think they took that out. That's that a, one that's like, that where, like, the passing thing. That's, isn't that the, is that it? I don't know. I hated that one. It was so hard. <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> Me too. I think Drew Dowdy had it. He like was failing and I like that aspect of it. But other than that, it was just like. Yeah. Give the players so, like, yeah. three tries, and if they miss, like have them go to another player, and then if yeah. they miss, keep going, and then if nobody gets it on either side, start all over again. <laughs> but that's that's so so <laughs> long, and like that's so hard. It is exactly so. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. 
Um, uh, I would hope yeah. I'm not. I like that they have two women doing it. I think that's cool. They're going to get it. Yeah, they are. Because guys, uh... I'm excited. All right. Finally, we are at the pens. Oh, oh, no. Before we get hot, before we start on the pens, there's one thing I want to talk about. The abs. Oh. They sure did something. So the Avs, a couple days ago, there was a picture that circulated around hockey Twitter where the Avs made their, like, well, they projected the Blue Lives Matter flag on the ice at the Pepsi Center um, after the Avs announcer just got through sounding, well, this is on someone's tweet, but they said the Avs announcer just got through sounding like a voiceover of a B-grade action movie while describing (laughs) the tragic death of Kendrick Castillo in good and evil terms. And so, um, Kenneth, uh, Kendrick Costello, uh, was a young Brown civilian who died, um, and his parents were honored, well, were there honoring his death, I believe. And so this isn't the first time that the, the abs have had a blue lives matter, um, flag. This isn't the first time in the NHL. I mean, we talked about it last season when the penguins had the blue lives matter flag, um, not on the ice, but just a flag flag like out on their yeah, like someone puck drop was like brought it out oh yeah yeah but it was like out i think at their puck drop a lot of people were saying you know quote tweeting it and saying like keep politics out of sports and that's such a good point like <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about politics and sports unless you know it benefits the view of the organization i guess i don't know i'm, I'm confused well, it was like the was a person who was killed was he killed by police was he a police officer like what like how is his how does his death have anything to do with the like the blue lives matter flag all right he died when he tried to lunge at oh gosh oh no yeah so kendrick costello was a student that uh that died trying to stop a Colorado school shooter. He said, uh, oh, that Kendrick lunged at the shooter, um, giving other students at the STEM school Highlands Ranch enough time to hide, um, his family and classmates said. Um, said that a classmate pulled a gun out in class and, um, yeah. Oh no, that's sad. So, yeah. I, like, I don't want to be like, that's sad, but the abs still suck. Because, <laughs> like, that has, I mean. I understand. I think it's, I here's the thing. I think it's amazing that they're honoring um, uh, Kendrick. I think that a Blue Lives Matter flag is not the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially from, because of what it symbolizes. Um, but I'd. It could be, a, it's a little. I would say that it's a little tone tone death. Yeah, yes, I would absolutely agree. I think that I I understand making wanting to make his death a a statement. Um because we need because you need to know about these things. You can't just walk around with your head in the sand like you need to know about these people who are putting their life on the line uh because of because of the the lack of justice of this world. Right. And I think that that's a it's a good thing to to recognize and to talk about this because you don't want him to die in vain. 
But to sit here and to to make it a political statement as Blue Lives Matter, I just don't get that. Um, I think it's like it's using his death to push an agenda, an agenda, yeah, an agenda that he probably wasn't even thinking about or even standing for when he just acted on instinct. And yes, yeah, sure, a lot of policemen do act on instinct when they go into the line of fire and try to protect people, especially in mass shootings and stuff like that. However, there is also, like, the other side of it where it's just, like, policemen, because of these racial biases that they are basically trained to have, they attack innocent people. And I think that's that's what the Blue Lives Matter um, flag thing has been kind of... uh, kind of promote yeah yeah has been like kind of construed to promote so to say that this 18 year old student was a part of the blue lives matter or symbolizes blue lives matter is like is tone deaf and i don't think that's fair to him or his memory or the life that he led yeah i agree with you with that it's just unfortunate it's an and it's annoying that teams would do that Especially on a night when honoring a, a kid who, who risked his life unnecessarily. The, it, it, the, the kids shouldn't be put in this position. Yeah. At all. Like, he's a child. I don't care if he was how, if he was 18, like, you're still a kid. Come on. Right. He was a student um, there. Exactly. So, unfortunate... Um, and these teams are like not great it's just like it's like i don't even know if i can say like it's ignorance like because why would you tie the i mean i can see it a little bit but like why would you tie those two things together like going off of his name like i'm not i don't want to make assumptions but his last name is castillo he's he it doesn't sound like he's white so it's just like how would you how are you linking these yeah, I don't know. No. Just put an American flag. An American one. <laughs> Honestly, like, that's it. This is, like, come on. A picture of him with his family. Um, like, literally anything else. Like, please. Like, just a slideshow of him with his friend. Like, something. Something. Oh, man. There was so many other opportunities that they could have done better. And they chose not to. The NHL way. Uh, yes, they took the NHL way. Absolutely. All right, moving on to a team that also has the Blue Blue Lives Matter flag at some point, which is annoying. The Penguins. Um, Hey, Sid is back. I know, fourth line center, Sidney Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, fourth line center, Sidney Crosby. They were looking a little little shaky there. Yeah, they did not look great, uh, the three games. However, okay... The game against Detroit, in my eyes, they look bad, but all the stats were very much um, good. <laughs> they did pretty I good. Mean, Sid has been playing um, really, really well. Sid has been shot out of a cannon, Ugh, and I, I don't like it's. It's. I mean, it's Sid. I. I don't know this team. Like, I don't know. I hope they can, you know, get it together and continue to find success because this it, they just seem 
special. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just my bias. Um, They've overcome that's on adversity again and again. Like they were showing, like <laughs> you know, like the little pre-games that they do when they're talking about the like the different teams. Like for, for the Penguins, they just showed injury after injury after injury. Yeah, and how they kept winning, and I was just like, oh, look at them. Yeah, it's like they continue to to have injuries, and even in their last game um, that we saw against Boston, Cahoon and. Simone got hurt. The Dominics, the Doms, the Doms are hurt. Mm. And we don't know at this time. Sullivan, of course, never said anything about uh, their injury. Um, So we don't know how long or if if this is just a short term, this is long term. We really don't know, which sucks. But um, yeah, they still have just been getting it done. It's crazy. just to continue on that that game, the the Murray Bronx brew, Bronx booze, or the Bronx cheer—that's what it's called. We before the before we recorded, we found out what a Bronx cheer was because we didn't know why that was called that. But yeah, anyway, it's just sarcastic people being sarcastic um, against their own team. Not great. It's not like it's it's one thing when Montreal does it to carry Price, but it's another thing when it's like. The Penguins to um, Matt Murray. Because, like, the... Okay, the first two goals. The first one, uh, he probably shouldn't have let in, but Jack Johnson wasn't doing his job, and he, like, lost his man, and Patrice was right there. So, like, whatever. He's going to shoot it in. The second one, he probably should have had. But, again, he was probably shook because, yeah, let him let a goal in 11 seconds in. And then... Third the one third was one Jack, was Jack Johnson. Johnson putting it in. Yeah, yeah, and then after that, like he was lights out, and like he was he perfect. Was done. He was done. Like he, he shut the door. No. Um. The see. Okay, so the first goal to me is just an example why Jack Johnson shouldn't be on the first pairing. Because why is he out against Priest, uh, Patrice Bergeron? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why? Why yeah, is he's he gonna lose that every wrong? time? Like I mean, that you're setting him up for failure. And like, listen, I I like to talk about Jack Johnson failure. I do not like to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. But like, that was a dumb lineup decision. You were at home. You could have you could have had last chance. You didn't need to put him out with um, Chris Letang. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, why is what Jack kind Johnson of lineup decision starting? Was that? Well, that that he's been paired up with Latang since Schultz or du- Schultz got hurt. Schultz got hurt after Duma, right? Uh, I think Duma got hurt after Schultz because I feel like Schultz has been out. Okay, longer. I can't even. Keep okay, track. yeah. Then never mind. Then they put them together since Duma got hurt, which is just like it's. I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, like, I see but, why you would do that on paper, however. No. How does that make sense on paper? Because, you you know, you have Crystal Tank, he's your best defenseman, and then Jack Johnson is your worst defenseman, so you would think that he would, they would cancel each other, like, Chris would cancel out all of Jack's bad stuff, but it's just like, Chris is also, he, he he's not perfect either, he has, you know, he has, like, some things that someone, like, Chris needs someone that can cover up for his <laughs> mistakes, I love that you're like trying to like 
I, yeah, I get that. I completely get it. But my <sighs> thing is that, like, if you need it, if this is the defensive pairing that is canceling each other out, like canceling out the good with the bad, then they can't, should they be your top pair? Probably like, not. <laughs> like, come on, man. But no, I completely get that. I just think so, yeah. I don't know if I put the first goal on Mary. Would you like him to stop it? Maybe. But I mean, he just was literally just getting settled in his net. And then, boom. Like, yeah. The third goal, I don't put against him. The second goal... The second goal, he should should do the same. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I think that's fair to say. Oh, were you surprised to see Murray start two games in a row? I I was, but also, like, didn't didn't Jari have, like, a bad game against the Bruins last time? Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I mean... And did then he Jerry have really... a bad game or did the Penguins? I, I don't know. And um, Murray played really well against Detroit. You know, friends are... That's very true. I mean, but it is just true. It's Detroit. No, no. I mean, listen. Uh, any good game is a good game. Like, it's not... I'm, I'm just really interested to see how... Like, who plays on Tuesday against the Flyers. Um, my only thing is that, like, I don't mind if it's, like, equal... It's equal from here on out, like, starts and stuff. I don't care. But my thing is that, like, what I'm going to need you not to do, Mike Sullivan, is to just not give Jari the benefit. Like, I feel like he's worked himself. And he's, he's backstopped this team. Yeah, he's earned starts. So don't, now that Murray is back, don't play Jari five times the rest of the season. Mm, okay, I see. Because I just, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's sense. irrational, but... I don't know. Like, I here's the thing. I don't trust Mike Sullivan with goaltending. I never have. Like, after the whole thing, like, especially in the playoffs when Flurry um, didn't play good against Ottawa, and then he never played again. Then he never played again. After he got us through Columbus and Washington, he never played again. Obviously, the the Penguins won. Whatever. I, not whatever. Amazing. <laughs> highlight of my life. But... Like, I just, the disrespect, like, the disrespect to that, to his goaltending performance, like, I don't know. I just don't trust Mike Sullivan. Even last season when DeSmith got a ton of starts, and then we were like, wait, so do you just say forget Murray or, like, what's going on? And, like, he basically for a long section, a long part of the season was just like, "Mm, you know, Matt Murray who? And I, I don't know. So I just don't trust him. So... That's just me, but I just want Jari to have some respect because we would not be where we are, mm-hmm. or I guess I should say the Pens would not be where they are without him this season, and that's like fact. I think that's fair. Okay, so who would you play on Tuesday? Because it's right before All Star break, no? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I'm well. I that's not true. I'd play Jari just because Mari got two starts. And um, you want Jari to go, like, you know, have a, hopefully he has a good game going into the All-Star break. I mean, I, that's hard for me to say because, you know, with Flyers-Penguins games, I want it to be, like, a 7-8 goal game. Yeah, in overtime. Always overtime. Always overtime. Always tons of goals so that everyone feels good and feels, you know. Except for the goalies. Like, yeah, I know. I know. Um, what else with the penguins? Oh, the ma- uh, the dad's trip. 
they had their dads out, which they do every year. I know. I was about to be like, I'm, didn't they have a dad's trip, like, literally right after Murray's dad died? And I was just like, how could you guys do that to him? <laughs> he won you two yeah. Stanley Cups. They don't care. They don't care. I mean, I guess it was oh. already in the schedule, but still. <laughs> okay, but those dads, Can't like, all right, we'll get you next time, buds. Like, it's not that big of a deal. They have a dad's trip every single year. But was Murray even with the team um, at that point? Because, you know, like, he had left. I think he was. I think he was. But this year, he took his father-in-law. Stepfather-in-law. Oh, then you know he's a good guy. Oh, okay. That's sweet. Can they have a mom my trip, thing with, though, for real? Yeah, that's my... I was just about to say that. I, was, I would like to see a mom's trip. Mom's trips are just so much cuter. Like, the Bruins had a mom's trip. The Jets had a mom's trip. Mm-hmm. The, stars the Flames do, more, do mom trips. Really? I, I think. I don't know. I think. I don't know. That's just more fun. I, I feel like, uh, especially in hockey, there was just like, oh my gosh, my dad did so much for me. Like, your mom had to wash your dirty socks, probably. Probably stunk. Like, appreciate her. And like, yeah, and, and no. And I feel like moms were the ones that woke them up at 6 a.m. Right drove them to things you always hear them talk about it they need to have a mom's trip it's just you know so okay the pens need to have a mom's trip like it doesn't make any sense but andy um who is like their social media coordinator social media gal who knows um she like she kind of had like a uh insta story video of like her dad with her on the trip and it was so cute um it was really cute. I love that they do, they let everybody bring their dads, not just the players. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cute. Um, so, yeah, we'd like to see a mom's trip ASAP. Um, anything else with the Penguins? I feel like... I feel like, yeah. Their next couple of games... They play the Flyers. Well, they play the Flyers, then there's All-Star break where we get to see Jari be absolutely adorable. <laughs> With Captain Chris Letang, like this all star. It's only. It's not going to be great, but it's going to be good for us. Good content, hopefully. And then after that break, they play the Flyers. <laughs> and with a day in between, and then they play the Caps. <laughs> like guillotine. Guillotine, please. Guillotine me. Um, And then after that Caps game, guess who they play? Freaking Tampa, um, we who's now like starting to be point. good. They, no, and because that's like actively like I didn't want to. I don't put it I in know. the outline. I know. Yeah. They were so bad for a second. I was so happy. I was so I was like threat. Like I think I lost weight in that time <laughs> when they were bad. I like lost weight. My skin cleared up. I was going on so many dates. Like it was so great. So that wraps it up for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, If you have any topics or comments, situations that you want us to talk about on here, please let us know on Twitter at where's underscore my underscore stick. Um, Yeah, that wraps it up for us. So have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye.